Statistics from the FBI's website show Alex Johnson was one of 14,196 people murdered in the United States in 2013. Think about that. 14,000 murder victims who leave behind countless close relatives, in addition to friends, neighbors, and co-workers. These people are the often forgotten victims of crime. They rarely get attention in society or media reports. Sadly, they're rarely acknowledged. I have sat on so many couches as a reporter listening to grieving families talk, sometimes with just as many tears running down my face. But I've never really stopped to think about what happens after I leave, when their loved one's story is no longer part of the news cycle. What kind of trauma lingers months, even years later? After getting to know the Johnson family, all I can say is just pray to God that you never have to walk in their shoes. I'm Kristen Flum, and this is the final episode of Taking Alex. That's what they don't tell you when someone's murdered. It's bigger than just the murder. There's consequences. There, there are these unintended things that happen. These hard conversations, these, I mean, he killed my brother, but he killed us just as much as he did him. I mean, he has, he has taken years off of our lives. After the Johnsons buried Alex in January of 2014, the weak threads that had been holding his heartbroken family together completely unraveled. Alex's little sister Casey tried to go back to work, but migraines crippled her, and she suffered anxiety attacks that doctors say mimicked a heart attack. Counselors told her she was also experiencing PTSD. It was all a debilitating combination that eventually forced her to take months of medical leave. It was surreal. I mean, it was, I mean, you, you see that stuff on TV and it's like, it doesn't hit home because you've never been there before. It's always someone else. It's hell. It was literal hell. Casey and Alex's dad, Lee Johnson, was 72 years old, already dealing with heart trouble and diabetes in 2013 when his son disappeared. The crime sent Lee into a downward spiral that still hasn't stopped. Judy Johnson told me she barely recognizes her husband anymore. How is Lee? Well, Lee is not the man I married. This everything just um, took a toll on him. He aged, in that first year, he aged 10 years and he lost 45 pounds and he was just withering away, but he's doing a little better, but uh, it affected his memory. There's a lot of things from the past that he doesn't remember. According to one of my doctor friends, that's not uncommon for such trauma like this to um, to have an effect on the memory. Prior to December 20th, Lee had been a well-known commercial loan officer at a bank in Bowling Green. The search for Alex and the trauma of finding and then having to bury him forced Lee to burn through all of his sick and vacation time. He then took family medical leave without pay before the pain eventually took its toll on him and he physically could no longer work at all. Time has not made life easier on either of Alex's parents. My parents are shells of who they used to be. I don't even recognize them physically, mentally. My dad is almost 80 years old. You know, he, this is a lot on him. And the Johnson family matriarch, 
she had to fight to find a will to live. Well, when Alex first disappeared, I felt like there was a boulder pinning me down. I could barely get out of bed every day. I struggled to get out of bed every day. And so within two weeks, I went to see a grief counselor because I was just, I was like a zombie. I was, I could hardly even function. I was just in a state of shock. Our faith has been shaken by this ordeal. Everything that we, you know, thought about our happy lives and everything, it just um, really was a devastating time for us. We, we didn't think anything like this could possibly happen to us. Thoughts of suicide crossed my mind. You know, I wanted to follow Alex, but I couldn't because I had to make my husband eat and take his medicine. Plus, I had to live for our daughter, and, and my parents were elderly at that time. And I had too many responsibilities, so I could, I could never hurt my family like that. Judy has spent seven painstaking years slowly digging out of her dark spot grasping signs of Alex she sees along the way. About a month ago, Mrs. Johnson told me to Google finding dimes. I had no idea what she was talking about, but there are articles all over the internet about it. It's believed that a 10 cent piece discovered in the most unlikely of places symbolizes ancestors, spirits, or deceased loved ones who want you to know they're looking out for you. Especially during the trial, you remember Mary Houlihan? I told Mary Houlihan about it because she and I sat in an office during the trial. And because I was- Our victim advocate. Because I was in there and I was, I don't know, making notes or something and moved my papers around. I found a dime and I said, you're not gonna believe this, but here is a dime in the middle of all my pens and papers and everything. And I told her the story about it. And she just, because that afternoon after we left, she'd been in her office working and had to go somewhere, and when she came back, sat down and her ink pen was pointing at a dime on her desk. <laughs> and she's found several since then. She always sends us a picture and looks about Mom has a lot of them, and she actually will like tape them to a piece of paper and then write where she found it. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had one in my seat, and so I don't know why, but I didn't take it out then. I had a lifesaver and a dime in my seat. So I put them on top of my car and then drove off the next day. I found the lifesaver, but I never did find the dime in the driveway. And uh, I don't know, a few days after that, there's another dime in my seat. And it's still there. So it's just crazy. It's a, a funny crazy. It's a, a comforting crazy. Judy believes Alex is everywhere, especially at Christmas, a particularly difficult time for the Johnson family. He pops up everywhere. Yeah, so you can't help but feel like he's surrounding you from time to time, and that's comforting. It is. It seems far-fetched, but it's, my counselor told me that that's too often to be just a random thing. While Judy Johnson has found solace in the advice of her counselors, Casey went a bit more unconventional route in her attempts to heal. I felt relieved. <laughs> Um, I know it seems weird, but it was, uh, it's probably the best thing that, that came from the psychic was just knowing that, you know, I, I could just reach him when I wanted to and that, and that he was still with us. You've heard Casey in previous episodes talk about everything she did to find her brother in the weeks after he went missing. That included reaching out to renowned psychic Pat Morton. 
let's start with when you first reached out to her, where in the investigation was it and, and what questions did you have for her? The first time I, I talked to her, I didn't realize that she allowed recording. So I made the mistake of not recording the audio. I just took notes and she took some notes too. Basically, I had some friends that said, there's a, a psychic that we go to in Murfreesboro. She is really, really good. She works with the FBI to actually help them solve murders and missing people. And maybe you could go talk to her and see what she has to say. But she was able to immediately say, he's dead. She just point blank said, he's dead. I knew it. I mean, I, we, we had known it. And she said, two guys did it. She started to describe the two guys. One is a short white guy. One of the other guys, a, she said a big black guy. A lot of people have described him as that. I'm not really sure what his ethnicity is. And she kept saying the word blue. We didn't know what that meant at that time, but later we found out that the barrel that he was put into the river in was blue. And she said he was on the outskirts of town. That was, you know, where his cell phone had pinged. Um, his last location was on the outskirts of town. Casey reached out again a few months after they buried Alex. This time she was recording. And one detail Miss Morton talked about sent Alex's little sister into hysterics. Listen. And he loved, loved music. Oh, yeah. And it won't surprise me that he won't come back in a world of music. Okay. Is he telling you this? Yes. Is he here? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's smiling. He said if he were you, he wouldn't keep his old dirty shoes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And that was specific enough that you were to know I got your brother. All right. So. It's so crazy. Casey says it was that moment that made her a believer in the psychic. And it came with the comfort of knowing that she may not be totally cut off from her big brother. I, I would ask a question and I think I just cried a lot. And so she just, she said, well, Alex says, don't keep my old dirty shoes. I started bawling because there's only one other person that would have known that that when we were cleaning out his apartment, my best friend was with me and I said, I don't know where to begin. What do I do? So I sat down on the floor of his closet and it was just old dirty shoes and I didn't know what to do with them. And she was like, well, can you donate them? Do you want to get rid of them? You know, do people want them? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm not getting rid of them. I can't get rid of any. I mean, (laughs) I can't get rid of any of his stuff. I just can't. I just remember not knowing what to do with his shoes. <laughs> so I put them in a garbage bag. And for that to have been the first thing that, that he said through her was get rid of my old dirty shoes. I mean, there's no way she could have known that. Um, but that was just a dead ringer. After all the trauma of late 2013 and finding their way through 2014, the Johnsons tucked away their pain the best they could. In fact, they tell me if they didn't think about the way they lost Alex or face it, the nightmare couldn't keep creeping back into their lives. For more than six years, the Johnsons couldn't even bring themselves to go through Alex's old belongings. 
Finally, it was the outrageous storage fees that they were racking up that motivated them to give it one more shot. It was hard. It was one of those things that if you just don't deal with it, then it means that it's not over. You know, it's just we had put his, his stuff in storage in 2014, including his truck. We, we drove it down the Bowling Green. We put it in the storage lot. And we kind of just left it there. We kind, You know, every so often we'd say, okay, we need to clean it out. We need to clean it out. And then we would go and start going through his belongings and just be completely overwhelmed. It's just hard decisions, you know, and it's just like it's reopening that wound. You know, it's, but it was necessary. And it was almost cathartic this last weekend when, when we were able to, to clean everything out and say, okay, you know, my cousin, you know, I want you to have, you know, these things that he cared about. Um, this cousin's really into guitars. I want you to take some of his guitar equipment, speaker equipment, you know, just these hiking boots, even though I'm completely, um, you know, I hold so many fond memories of, of these hiking boots because he always wore them. You know, we've determined that a homeless person would be better with them. You know, maybe they could find a job where they, they need boots, and Alex would want that. He would have thrown a fit <laughs> if he knew that we had paid rent for seven years to store his shoes and, <laughs> you know, comforter, his, his comforter, uh, lamps, clothes. I mean, just stuff that we should have done a long time ago. But until you're in this situation, until you're grieving, you don't really understand, especially such a tragic situation. You know, he didn't die of old age in his bed. He was brutally murdered by a friend right before Christmas. No one will ever be able to make sense of it. There is zero justification for what happened to Alex. The Johnsons' hearts are shattered. They're left with a hole no one can fill. But what they can do is replace awful memories with wonderful ones from the lives Alex touched in his 32 years on this earth. Hi, Kristen. This is Isabel from Friends. Hey, Kristen and Taking Alex listeners. This is Ben Hayden. My name is Naomi. As if the pain of losing Alex hasn't been hard enough, there are those on the internet, through social media specifically, who try and devalue Alex's contributions to this world because of the lifestyle he was wrapped up in in his final months. But if you only consider that when you think about Alex Johnson, if you believe that selling wheat should be a death sentence, there are people who came out of the woodwork ready and willing to share with me incredible stories of Alex Johnson to discourage that mentality. When I asked people to share their stories, they poured in, not just from Kentucky, but around the world. I will talk a bit about Alex, about good memories. Alex was one of my greatest meat in my life. When I was in Kentucky, Bowling Green, I was an exchange student. I, my style was awful. I, I was a teenager and I was dressed like Janis Joplin with big dresses and necklaces and long hair. And I didn't have any friends. <laughs> and Alex was the first to, to talk to me and, and to take care of me. 
every time at school, he was waiting near my locker and he was like, oh, gypsy lady, <laughs> how are you, gypsy lady? And one day I told him, Alex, if you don't want to talk to me because the way I look like and I'm French, that's fine because everybody is looking at you. And he was like, I don't care. I love you, gypsy lady. <laughs> and he was always, yes, caring about others. And even if those others are different, he was his heart was open for everybody. And that's the best person in the world because he doesn't judge. He's just talking to people with his heart, very honest. Alex seems to have had a soft spot for exchange students. Maybe it's because they shared the same love of embracing different cultures and travel that he did. They found, in a world completely unfamiliar to them, an ally ready to help them navigate the uncertain. I think I arrived to Bowling Green in August 1998. And I was just new when I started school. And I started at Greenwood High School. Uh, I think it was within the first two months or something that I met Alex. And uh, I actually got in trouble not too long after that. The trouble I got in was that I lived in a racist family. They saw me hanging out with some black people, which they, they didn't want. So they kicked me out. And the person that was like managing the whole thing, she said she wanted to move me to a different school in a different neighborhood. I told Alex that I was going to move to another school. So he said, okay, Marlin, let me, let me help you through this. Let me show you what this school is like. And he took me one day after school and he drove me to that other school uh, to show me what it looked like. But it was really sweet of him. I think he was the first person who gave me a ride somewhere just because I wanted a ride and I needed it. And I was, I was a little bit surprised. Like I remember that when he dropped me off at the house later on that night, I was thinking like, this seems to be a really, really sweet guy. He was, he, he was always that sweet guy from that moment on. I'm Cecilia Kalen. I was Alex Johnson's uh, Spanish three teacher in Greenwood High School. When I think of Alex, I think of what a brilliant student he was in, in uh, my Spanish class. He just seemed gifted. I was quick to use him to, when other students were struggling with something, I would say, Alex, can you go help this person or can you go help that one? And he always just was so cooperative. Even after he graduated, uh, he came back to my classroom and talked to my students about the advantages of, of learning a foreign language. And he talked about his experiences in Mexico and, and what it was like to live there. So I just have really good memories of Alex. From what I've gathered, Alex had a way of opening people's eyes to things and subjects they'd never been interested in. He had a gentle way of nudging them into the unknown. Hi, my name is Ryan Schwank, and I knew Alex growing up. We're about the same age, and our parents are friends. We would often hang out at family gatherings or events. I wanted to share a story of a time Alex traveled to Haiti with his dad and my dad and myself. 
And uh, this is not a story of what we saw on the island, because a lot of that was just very sad. But Alex brought with him a book, uh, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was the only thing either of us had to read. There's nothing else to do in Haiti, especially in the early 90s. So Alex would grab the book and he would read it in the mornings and I would I would read it in the afternoons or whenever he you know would leave it alone for more than a second and I could grab it. And we would talk about the book and the funny parts in it. I developed a real love for science fiction on that trip, one that sticks with me to this day. Whenever I pick up a book by Douglas Adams, I can't help but think of Alex and that mutual connection we had with that, that stupid book. Uh, silly book in Haiti. Hi, my name is Pam Sampson. I went to school with Alex from elementary school to high school. And the one memory I want to share, um, and I remember, was that back in high school, we had a class together. We were both addicted to this coffee candy. I would get them every day, and of course, I would share them with Alex because that was the first thing that he would always ask me for. And every week, I made sure to go get some coffee candy for him to have for him. He was always happy and always had a smile on his face kind of guy. And um, I'm going to miss our days of coffee candy eating together. I will miss him a lot. So whether it was over a book, candy, through music, or Alex's affinity for the outdoors, the tall, lanky guy from Bowling Green had a way of uniting people, getting them excited about things he enjoyed. When I first sat down with Casey in October of 2020, she laughed as she told the story of a hiking trip that didn't go as planned for a group of women Alex brought with him. Oh, we would always go to the Red River Gorge. Always. There's a lot of pictures that you yeah. from the gorge. <laughs> yeah. He loved it, and he, you know, he knew it like the back of his hand. He he'd done all the trails, all the ones that you don't want to go on. He had he had taken a, a friend group um, camping there, and he thought that he'd picked out an easy trail and a place for them to camp. I think by the end of it, all the girls were crying and <laughs> and wanting to go home. They had packed bottles of wine that thought it was going to be like a leisurely oh, a trip yeah, yeah he took them to the back country and and he didn't understand what the deal was he, he was just he was so in shape and athletic he it didn't occur to him that these people were not interested in these you know 10 mile hikes to the top of this ridge to <laughs> to camp but I mean he was he was special Totally unprompted, when I asked for stories, that one came rolling in from a former girlfriend of Alex's who also laughed her way through the hellacious hike Alex led them on one weekend in Kentucky's Red River Gorge. My name is Naomi, and I want to share one of my favorite memories of Alex. Um, has to do with going hiking, camping at the gorge, which is totally an Alex thing. Um... And it involves a group of friends that we all worked with at Buddy's. He, you know, obviously was a huge hiker, camper. I mean, you know, and I could not be more opposite. I am just sort of the most girly girl you could ever encounter. Obviously, it was a big love of his, so we, I definitely tried to embrace it. And I will never forget, Alex decides, okay, I want to take you all 
I'm going to take you all on a hike. And, you know, he knows or knew, so we thought, that we, if we were going camping, we were going to bring, you know, our chairs and all of the comforts that we wanted, the big bottles of wine and, you know, all of that. We sort of assume that that's kind of what we're doing. We're going to park, we're going to walk a short distance and then be at our campground. Little did we know Alex had something very different in store for us. We get there, we get to the gorge, and we start walking. And, you know, it's it's a little hike. We're like, okay, this isn't bad. This, this is this is good. So we kind of go on this first little hike, and then... And he's like, oh, no, 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 we're not staying here. This is this was just like a little, a little hike I wanted to take you all on before we go to the actual place. So we start walking, and pretty quickly in, I realize, you know, as we're going completely straight up, that this is going to be a little more, a little more difficult. And we're all, you know, everybody is uncomfortable because again, Alex is the only one that is prepared. I mean, he has his like hiking stick and he has his legit hiking backpack thing that like, you know, we trusted that Alex knew the caliber of people that he was on this hike with. I remember being like, Alex, like, where the heck are we? This is like, I mean, how much further are we? And they're just panic kind of sets across me because I'm like, what? And Alex is just like jolly old Alex. You know, he's like whistling and trying to talk and keep us all motivated. And slowly just throughout that hike, I mean, meltdown after meltdown. Like, of course, I'm like the nagging girlfriend at this point. That's like, I can't believe you would lead us up here. None of us know what we're doing. When we finally made it to where he wanted to take us, it was completely obvious why he wanted us to go to that spot because it was literally the most beautiful place and it was stunningly, breathtakingly, absolutely the most beautiful thing. I mean, you just felt like you were like in the, in the clouds, in the sky. We had the best time. That was Alex in his element. And that was just like the love. I feel like the love of his life was being in nature and being with nature. That's just, will always be one of my favorite memories of Alex. I I really appreciate Alex's love for nature and I appreciate that he really opened my eyes and obviously the eyes of so many others to the beauties that nature really possesses. Alex loved nature and if he were still around today, he'd be crisscrossing the globe, taking in every inch of this vast planet. There was still so much to explore, so many memories to be made. That's what Melissa misses most. So for me, life without Alex means missed opportunity for future adventures, really. Um, He had that infectious spirit and insatiable lust for life that, you know, having a friend like him throughout the years, he always told you you could do anything you set your mind to. You know, eventually you started believing that, even if you yourself questioned it. If somebody had told me 20 years ago I'd be living aboard a sailboat, chasing dreams, I would have told them they were crazy. And... All along, Alex would have been that one person nudging me to go for it. If it challenged the status quo or the norm, he was the first in line to give it a shot. And the reality of his being taken too soon is, you know, he never gets to experience the joy of sailing with us. Um, It's a sport I know he would have loved. You know, many nights, many quiet nights on the water. Um, If it's just me sitting on deck or... Even if we're on an exciting sail, my thoughts always circle back around to Alex. He gave me that gift of learning how to conquer my fears and overcome those personal setbacks. You know, in short, he gave me character. He's that friend everybody needs and that I was lucky enough to have. Every Christmas season, I am heartbroken as I am reminded of the tragic events that happened to Alex. I remember him as a boy 
so energetic and curious, willing to take the path less chosen. He wanted to make the most of his time. I miss him. I have never met Alex Johnson, never heard his name prior to the tragedy in 2013. But I wish our paths had somehow crossed because he's exactly the kind of person the world could use more of. Those who lead, those who don't just talk the talk, they make life better for those around them. Just ask Elizabeth. Alex and I met at Transy through mutual friends. Um, one thing I loved about Alex was that he was so kind and generous and thoughtful to everyone. It didn't matter where you came from, what you did, what your financial situation was. He was good to everyone. And he wanted to help others all the time. I had an internship at Kentucky Refugee Ministries, and when we had a Spanish-speaking family relocated to Lexington, he would spend an entire Saturday with me and the family riding around on the public transportation system in Lexington, teaching them how to utilize it and where everything was, how to get to work, how to get back home, how to get to the grocery store. When we visited my family in East Tennessee, we would go to my great-grandparents' house and help them with cleaning and groceries, um, just things that, you know, they needed help with. And one day, my grandpa offered to share his sardines and crackers with Alex, and he sat down at the table and acted like it was the greatest meal he'd ever had. And that meant a lot to my grandpa and to my mom. Um, loving him and being loved by him changed my life, and losing him did the same. When I talk to him now or, or think about him, I'll often find dimes in random places. And Mrs. Johnson told me a long time ago that that was... Alex trying to communicate with us. So there have been a few times when I've talked to him on the way to school in the car and I get out and put my foot down and there's a dime right beside my foot. I hope those dimes never stop showing up. There are many reasons why people leave footprints on our hearts and in our minds. If you're lucky enough, those memories make you crack a smile when you're least expecting it. Just a flashback immediately brightens your day. For some, it's the mischief Alex got into that they'll forever hold on to. This is Ben Hayden. I um, worked with Alex at Buddy's Bar and Grill and lived next to him twice on North Hanover Avenue and am, or was his neighbor uh, when he uh, went missing. Uh, but anyway, Alex was a great neighbor and a great friend, and we all loved him and miss him terribly. One of my fondest memories of Alex was anybody that knew him knew that he was an avid bike rider. He loved riding his bike everywhere. So one night, we often used to, our group of friends always loved going to Lina's bar for uh, the Tall Boys, which were a band here in town that played. He and I rode our bikes there one night together. I was not an avid bike rider like he was, and he nearly uh, caused me to have a heart attack on our bike ride, which was a very short uh, ride from our homes over to Linus, but he rode so fast and weaved in and out of traffic. It was terrifying. My name is Leanne. I met Alex uh, our freshman year of high school. 
so much of my friendship with Alex was spent just doing silly, stupid teenager stuff. But the, the thing that I remember so much about Alex was that I spent so much time being aggravated with him. But yet, even though I was aggravated with him, like, I would still have a smile on my face. Um, he would still make me laugh as he was pissing me off. <laughs> I mean, one time we were with my family at this thing at the um, Corvette Museum. We were just kind of wandering off from, from my family. And Alex had the idea to walk over to the gas station in the Wendy's just to go get a drink. Just, you know, why not? You know, they won't miss us. We'll, we'll be back in a minute. I'll never forget the sight of my dad furious as he has finally found us no telling how long he was looking and i i'm scared half to death because it's my dad you know he's got the the look of an angry dad and beside me is alex just like laughing going you're gonna get it <laughs> i mean and he's just laughing because that's not his dad he doesn't have to worry and I, <laughs> it's just one of those things that that was alex like uh, like I just, just, I can hear him going, oh man, Leanne, your dad's so mad, you know, just rubbing it in, knowing that he was, he was an untouchable at this point. Mischief. There's a common theme that was woven through old stories from friends and family. Well, hi, I'm John Raglan. I'm Alex's uncle. And, well, where do you start? Alex was the first grandchild. We were all real excited about him coming. I remember going to the hospital. When he was first born, the big smile on my sister's face, how proud she was of him. He was pretty child, and, and he was good-hearted. Alex had a good sense of humor, and he was smart as all get out. You could be around him, and he'd get this big grin on his face, and you knew he was getting ready to say something, so you better brace yourself, because you never knew what it was going to be. The trouble Alex got into growing up wasn't the unlawful kind. Taylor Hollingsworth says it's the, ooh, I hate you for this right now, but I'll laugh about it later kind of mischief. He loved my dog, Ed, and Ed loved him. And as soon as he moved in, he wanted to use our Sam's Club membership to get a big flat of canned dog food with gravy to try to fatten up my sweet old dog, Ed, who was just a petite frame dog, but he loved that dog. I'll never forget getting so mad at him one time. I came home and Ed was not in the house, nowhere to be found. His leash and collar were there. And I mean, I, I was like, how did he get out? I was freaking out. And finally, Alex came home. And had Ed with him. And I mean, he'd just taken him out for a joyride. But, oh, I was so mad. But my dog was so safe and with somebody that loved him. Speaking of pets, you already know Alex loved animals, especially his cat, Moggy, who Casey talked about finding outside of Alex's apartment, cold and hungry in December of 2013. Elizabeth took me back to the day Alex first met his four-legged roommate. We actually found Alex's cat, Moggy, on my great-grandparents' farm. She was under a car or a truck. It was nighttime, and it was cold, and she was just a tiny little kitten, and we took her home to Lexington, and now she lives with Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. 
But Moggy had to share her space with another love of the Johnsons. Orion was added to the family shortly after they lost Alex as a way to cope with his death. We actually got Orion. He's an Australian shepherd. Um, we got him as an emotional support dog. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the reason I got out of bed in the morning because I had to let him out to use the bathroom. I had to get up and take care of him and play with him. And, you know, he started to become our our reason for living, honestly, you know, just because we needed to take care of him. But he also understood, you know, his emotional IQ is very high. So, you know, my dad would be crying and he would jump up on my dad and, you know, get on his chest and lick his face. And, you know, it's hard to cry when you have a dog that's that's doing that. So, I mean, he's he was one reason that we're still here. He did more for us than all the psychiatrists and counselors <laughs> put together. And if I believed in reincarnation, a person's soul into an animal, I would say that he was Alex. <laughs> I'm serious. As a matter of fact, Lee calls him I- Alex sometimes. <laughs> Alex Johnson would have turned 40 years old January 16th, 2021. His family can only smile and imagine what he would be doing now. You know, I just know he would have been successful no matter what he wanted to do, whether it was um, running a, a butcher shop. He had talked about doing that with some of his friends. I know he would have done a great job. He was so good at being a, like a chef, um, so good at, at just, you know, being with the public and, and anybody that that he encountered, I, I know it would have been successful. Family-wise, I feel like he would have been settled down and I feel like he would have had his own kids um, now, which is a really hard thing to talk about, you know, because I wanted to be an aunt so badly and he wanted to be a father so badly. He wanted to, he loved children. They loved him. And it just breaks my heart knowing that, you know, he never got that chance. And my parents, they didn't get the opportunity to have his grandchildren. Our last name, you know, our family tree ended with him. So that, you know, the name is is not being passed on anymore. Still have a hole in my heart. I miss his gangly body because he always hugged me and he was always so skinny, you know, I could almost feel his ribs, but just those huge bear hugs that he always had for me. That's what I really miss. And that laugh. But I just miss him, miss him so much. Everyone does, Judy. And whether you or Lee or Casey realize it, there are dozens of people quietly admiring your strength and resilience. Alex left a footprint, and you have provided a blueprint in navigating a world that is cruel and often unfair. Hopefully this episode proves the army that you have behind you, a force to show you that you will never walk alone. A wonderful life was stolen so early. I can only imagine the things that Alex could have done from then to now, the success that he, that he could have right now, and it was stolen. I just want to say that, Alex, you are so loved and you are so missed. And, man, the world lost someone so brilliant and smart. So I just ask everybody, you know, just to continue to pray for the Johnsons. They're the strongest family I've ever met in my life. Um, So I think about you guys every day, and I love you guys so much. The only son of Lee and Judy, big brother to Casey, days shy of his 33rd birthday, a chef at the Boone Center, passionate about cooking and camping. 
That was Alex Colin Johnson. The Johnsons and all their friends will see Alex again one day. Until then, do not stand at his grave and weep, they ask. Instead, remember him and give to the world and the people around you the way Alex did. Whether it's a hand up or a handout, a kind gesture or kind words, each time you step out the door every morning, maybe try taking a little bit of Alex with you. Just wanted to thank you for your hospitality, all your generosity, the good time that you showed us, and I hope to make some more in the future. <laughs>